Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, a new podcast from Campaign US where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm delighted to introduce my first guest, Andrea Mallard, the Chief Marketing Officer of Pinterest. Andrea joined Pinterest in 2018 and led the company through its IPO. Since then, she's overseen the growth of the brand globally from a consumer and advertiser standpoint. And Pinterest is about to host its first global advertiser summit as it grows as a media opportunity. Andrea is also a seasoned CMO, spending time at Athleta, electric mobility company Unu, and Omada Health. Hi, Andrea. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Awesome. So you have a really interesting background in terms of the companies that you've worked for. What sorts of brands do you gravitate towards as a CMO? Great question. You know, I, I think the stock answer these days to that question is always purpose, right? People say, well, I want to have a, I want to work for a purpose-led, purpose-first company. And of course that's true. Um, that has definitely been part of what, what interests me, what pulls me towards uh, a particular challenge. But I also think it goes further. You know, I, I love purpose and that matters, but I'm often attracted to companies where I see, you know, a real cross-functional gap between you know, where they are today and where they could be in my mind. And and then also an industry that fascinates me, either because it is leading change or it's going through change um, in and of itself. So, you know, as you mentioned, yeah, I've, I've been the CMO of, of some very different companies. Um, all three of my most recent gigs were in very different stages of growth, you know, in completely different industries, um, which I think is particularly unusual, but has made me, certainly made me, I think, all the better as a CMO. Um, you know, I, the, I worked in the health tech space. It was a private startup that was just getting off the ground, chasing our first hundred million. Uh, then I was, you know, at a juggernaut public, well-established apparel brand that was chasing their second billion. And then, and then yes, joining Pinterest was, was moving a private startup to a public company through their IPO and, and then just constantly redefining themselves in a very rapidly shifting market context. So for me, you know, what attracts me is, is the feeling that this is a moment for the company or a moment for the industry where change is happening and where I think marketing can play a particularly salient role in accelerating that change. Yeah, for sure. And you talk a lot about being a right brain and a left brain CMO. Um, Talk about how you kind of bring those two, you know, elements together as a marketer and um, in Pinterest, I mean, at Pinterest in particular. I think there is a perception that marketers are either, you know, analytical data growth hackers or they are creative directors. Um, and, and you know, never the twain shall meet, right? They, they tend to be one or the other. I think for the modern CMO, you need to be very much whole brain. You need to be data literate and truly understand how you are driving the LTV over CAC, how are you are de-risking the business, how you are building a flywheel, a, a reliable flywheel of growth in a way that is measurable and consistent over time. But you also need to have a vision. You need to be culturally literate. You need to understand where the world is going and the role that your product or your company and therefore your brand can play as part of that evolution. And so for me, um, coming to a very data literate uh, company like Pinterest, which it needs to be, it's very typical of consumer consumer tech, I knew that I needed to first show that deep understanding, that data literacy that was going to be required for me to earn the right to grow and show how this bigger picture storytelling, how brand building, how holistic brand building as the connective tissue that holds a lot of orgs together 
could drive real dividends for the company. So for me, I really try to show that sensitivity as a leader and as a CMO and model that for my team and then for my cross-functional partners to say, you know, I am not just the CMO that wants to do the Super Bowl spot. And I'm not just the CMO who's, you know, futzing around with the numbers in a spreadsheet. Uh, I'm, I'm truly both and I can do both in equal measure. And in fact, you should ask me to be able to do both in equal measure because that is what the world needs right now. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more like as, you know, brand building and performance marketing and the whole quote unquote marketing funnel just sort of gets smushed into one uh, very convoluted customer journey. I think more and more marketers need both of those skills, but they are different skill sets, right? Like, do you think that this is, you know, something that is requires retraining for people in the marketing discipline or is, is too tall of an order for certain types of of people to take on? Like, how do you sort of see that evolving? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think absolutely requires retraining. And I think if you, you know, what I always joke is that the average marketer has no more than five years experience because the, the, the marketplace is changing so quickly and the tools that you use to either create or judge work are changing so rapidly. Um, but that said, certainly at this level or at a very senior level, you need to be able to understand it and step across the aisle and understand the, the totality of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Now, some people are never going to be as interested in the, in the rigorous strategy or the analytics required. They are actually going to be much more interested on the creative side and vice versa. That's okay. But I think if you want to you know, really lead large cost cross-functional groups, you do need to learn what you don't know. And maybe that means sitting beside your head of performance marketing and really understand how she sees the world. Or maybe it means going on a, on a campaign shoot with your executive creative director and understanding how he sees the world. Um, but if you don't have at minimum some degree of, of basic fluency in the languages of the marketing discipline, I don't think you can ever truly lead in a way that's going to drive breakthrough growth. So mm-hmm. I do think there's retraining. And if you know that's not what's good, you're good at this piece of it, that's okay. But you need to know how to identify great talent and how to still mentor and shape and lead great talent so that you know what good looks like, even if you yourself can't deliver it um, directly. That's okay. Right, for sure. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about Pinterest and about the past year. Um, You know, Pinterest is known as a platform for discovery, for inspiration. Um, it, it has a very different value prop, I would say, than the large social media specific platforms. But over the past year, you know, it has been a little bit difficult to be inspired about a wedding or a trip or something because, you know, you have to, we're not sure when we can get back to normal. So how has Pinterest value prop changed for users over the past year and for brands? And how does that change your marketing strategy? So Pinterest value prop has always been about bringing people the inspiration to create a life they love. But I would say the events of the past year has has dramatically sharpened the need for it. So, and I think there are two reasons. So one is acute and, and let's say one is chronic. So obviously we were all acutely affected by COVID. Um, and so the world needed inspiration more, more than ever. But to your point, the people on Pinterest who might come for inspiration for a wedding um, started realizing that they could rely on Pinterest for a far wider breadth of use cases, like, you know, building a home office, cooking from your pantry because you didn't want to go to the grocery store, teaching third grade math. I mean, it's it's all there on Pinterest and the content is fairly phenomenal. And so I think what helped Pinterest is, is realizing is, is we had 100 million more people either come to Pinterest for the first time 
and we had our hundreds of millions of existing users say, wow, I'm going to use this for different reasons more often um, and kind of deepen my relationship. That said, your point about, you know, it's hard to be inspired for a wedding. Here's what's amazing. You know, when we actually looked at what people were doing on Pinterest at the very beginning of the pandemic and then ongoing, it just gave me so much faith in humanity. So people actually kept planning weddings. You know, what they they changed the nature of the wedding. They planned backyard weddings. They planned COVID safe weddings. There's a trend we're predicting for 2021 based on these, the spikes we're starting to see early this year is actually people realizing, you know, that big fancy wedding of my dreams, that's not my dream anymore. I want an intimate um, calmer, more authentic, more personal wedding. And it only involves a handful of people because it can only involve a handful of people, but actually I'm realizing that's closer to what I wanted anyway. And so they're turning to Pinterest for those kinds of ideas. Um, and, and certainly that content around that, those kinds of ideas is, is absolutely booming on the platform. So, so that was sort of the acute, the acute thing. Um, but I would also argue, you know, in the last few years, there's been a long simmering, second sort of more chronic factor at play that's been coming to a boil that we really felt in 2020. And I think it's, you know, there's a growing realization that that traditional social media companies um, can, in some cases, you know, not only have, you know, negative mental health effects at the individual level, you know, that sort of FOMO culture, the feeling that you don't measure up to the lives of your friends or your, your family, um, but they can also have far-reaching consequences at the socio-political level. So we are hearing more and more from pinners who say, hey, this is a bit of a sacred place for me. It's where I go to focus on myself and what I want to do in my life. Even if it's a little bit on pause right now, it's not where I go to see what everyone else thinks about me or to perform a super ver- superficial version of my life. Um, but then we also heard from advertisers who said they, you know, they wanted a place to advertise where they wouldn't be competing with or worse aligned to the most toxic impulses of social media. Um, so, so for us, I think that helps explain some of the, the incredible success Pinterest has been having, but it's both acute and has been long building. I think we just really felt it in a bigger way in 2020 because it all came together. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, your point about having Pinterest be sort of like a sacred place and not keeping up with what everyone else is doing is, is really interesting value prop you have for users and for brands. But I'm curious, you know, in addition to COVID over the past year, we've had a massive reckoning about racial injustice and um, social media platforms and tech companies have not, you know, escaped that, um, that, that criticism. So how do you sort of, you know, uphold the brand promise of inspiration um, while making that an inclusive promise where people feel comfortable on the platform? Yes. What a great question. So, you know, what's so amazing about Pinterest as a platform is you go there when you don't have an answer already for a question you might have. And so it's really important that when you arrive at Pinterest and you're searching for something or you have the early glimmers of an idea that we can open your aperture to present to you a diverse range of incredible ideas and the creators who create those ideas so that you can make a truly inspired decision for your life. So we can't have people trapped in a sort of algorithmic bubble or a too narrow of a worldview. We want to open your mind to see what's out there so that you can make a great choice that you would not have otherwise been exposed to or thought to search for. So for us, it's incredibly important that we are building a platform that has very clear goals around the diversity of content that we can show to pinners. Um, In fact, we've got a goal right now that we're hitting 
that 50% of our managed creators on our platform are come from URM, come from diverse backgrounds. And then it's our job to amplify these, vo- these voices in more deliberate ways so that when you show up at Pinterest, you're not simply being served content from the same creators over and over again or the same sources. We're actually ensuring that you're seeing this really incredible, far more diverse uh, range of, in- of, of, of inspirational content that you otherwise would. So for us, we have you know, entire teams who are wholly focused on that as we speak and making sure that we are leaning into the Black creator community, our own Black community of um, amazing employees at Pinterest to help guide and build this momentum to ensure that we can actually fulfill our mission because without it, we cannot. So it's been a really, really big um, topic for us this year and it will continue to be so. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're talking about changes to the actual platform and like the algorithm and how content shows up and how you work with influencers, which is super important. Um, how do you, as, as the CMO, reflect that in your communications out into the world and show that Pinterest is a diverse place? Yes. So, you know, Pinterest as a company is a diverse place or Pinterest as a platform is a diverse place? Both. Yeah. What a good question. So first of all, as I always say about great storytelling, you know, a great marketer is not a myth maker, they're a truth teller, right? So what's important for us as a company is to ensure that we are living our values and that we can tell a great story because it's the truth. So as far as our company is concerned, you know, we've been taking quite a few positive steps in particular in the last few months, but certainly that have been growing for the last few years. But um, one of the things that I'm seeing that I'm excited about is uh, our real focus on inclusive hiring practices. So you know, the, the Silicon Valley consumer tech has never been known for being hugely welcoming um, to, to diverse candidates. And, and we're taking that, that challenge extremely seriously. So we have, you know, obviously diverse slate requirements. But what's amazing is we have this phenomenal head of inclusion and diversity, Ty McRae. And she is showing how much we are significantly accelerating the number of diverse candidates getting hired into meaningful roles at Pinterest because of the actions that she with with a cross-functional team are helping to drive. So really ensuring that we are getting the best possible candidates. And by definition, they are far more diverse than ever. Um, we're also overhauling, you know, our unconscious bias training, our inclusive teams training, and we've made those available to every single employee months ago, you know, July of last year. Um, we're also adding far more divor- diverse board members. So uh, Andrea Wisham, who's a juggernaut, Salem Coleman-Smith, another juggernaut, not, um, you know, to our board and then, and then hiring far more seasoned, diverse leaders in, in very senior roles, like our, you know, head of content and editorial partnerships, Aya Kanai. And then, and then I've recently hired a, a phenomenal head of global consumer marketing, Celestine Maddie. So we're really ensuring that um, we have very diverse, strong leaders who are helping uh, guide this evolution, um, not just for Pinterest, but, but to be an example for consumer tech writ large, you know, so we want to make sure it's showing up in our building and in our culture, but then certainly on our platform, because we have this incredible stage to um, accelerate not just black voices, for example, but but black businesses and make sure that they can earn a lot of, you know, they can earn money. They can grow their businesses on Pinterest. That's a really important way for us to help lead change. Yeah. Talk about like some of the campaigns that you're proud of that you've made in the past year that, you know, show the, all of these things that we're talking about, like Pinterest value prop, how it's changed during COVID and, and also its commitment to um, underserved communities. 
Sure. Well, what's amazing is we had intended to launch a fairly significant brand campaign in April of 2020 uh, across the U.S. and the U.K., and we were really proud of it, very excited. And as COVID exploded globally at the end of March, we understandably you know, needed to pause that work. It was no longer the right time. And given how much of that creative was going to show up in public places, it just wasn't the right place literally anymore to do that. Um, so what we did is we shifted our strategy to tell smaller stories more often in a more targeted way. You know, so, um, for example, you know, we've been telling stories directly to creators about why creating content on Pinterest is so uniquely valuable. And again, in all of our creative, and that doesn't just extend to the creative we produce and what you see, seeing diverse faces and diverse creators, but it includes to how we partner with agencies. So we have requirements to make sure that our agencies or our production partners are themselves diverse. It's about choosing diverse directors or photographers or editors to help pull the spots together, you know, to make sure that we are not having a monoculture gaze on our actual work in its creation. So it's not simply as simple. It's not simply saying, hey, we want to have a diverse face show up in this campaign. It's we want to have diverse hands creating it to begin with um, as much as we can. So that's something that we're taking very, very seriously. And it's absolutely making the work a lot better. Um, so we've been telling stories to creators. We also, you know, just yesterday ran a really wonderful event called Black Gold, which was not only about ce celebrating Black excellence in general, but also enabling Black creators to find even more success on our platform and discussing um, some of the issues and barriers that would stand in their way and how we could help. Um, and then we're doing, you know, I'm really proud of a few other things. You know, Pinterest Predicts is something that we we really threw some gasoline on this year, which if you go to PinterestPredicts.com, you can check it out. But it's it's our way of saying, hey, we have, because people come to Pinterest to plan what they're going to do next, we have the first glimpse of the future, you know, more than any other platform. We can see what's going to be really huge, but might not be yet. Um, and so we did a really large, you know, fairly large effort around getting the word out about Pinterest predicts and enabling not just users and creators and advertisers to play around with it, but also helping them see, hey, this is going to help your business because you can be on the ground floor of a trend that we predict is going to be massive at, by the end of 2021, even if it's not very big right now. And for us, that's that's a that kind of level of data insight is hugely valuable to marketers uh, when they're trying to ensure, you know, de-risk mm -hmm. ideas they have in their in their business. Yeah. Has this approach, you know, been more been successful for you? I know obviously it wasn't in your, you know, 2021 plan to scrap a massive brand campaign, oh, but, um, or 2020 plan, but yeah. yeah. How has it been working? Out? It's been working well. And look, you know, what, what I was so proud of the team is that was a really big blow that we had to weather, you know, as a marketing team and, and that as a, as a team at Pinterest, you know, writ large, everyone was really excited about that work. And so um, it was a really nice moment for us to regroup and say, okay, we still have stories to tell. We're going to do it on a different scale. We'll do it more often. And, and some of it we might have to now quickly produce in-house ourselves. Um, but the team was able to really rally around it. And again, I think um, we have a team and we have a culture that genuinely wants to do the right thing. And and it's not just the right thing because it's a moral thing. It's the right thing because it's the right thing for the business. Uh, we, we are seeing so much more engagement than we ever have. We're able to tell more important stories and culture than ever. So this is absolutely good for business. It's not just, um, it's not just us responding to a moment in culture. It's us actually realizing that we can accelerate what this business can do and that change it can drive when we're thinking in a far more inclusive, diverse mm -hmm. way. And when we're acting that way as well. 
for sure. So you mentioned agencies and you dropped the in-housing word. <laughs> um, what is what is Pinterest's relationship with agencies? I know a lot of consumer tech brands or tech brands um, in general tend to have, you know, very strong data teams and they do a lot of stuff in-house. But how do you where do you see your agencies adding value? Yeah, we you know look we work we work in both ways, um, and I think that's the right way to think about it. So, for example, we're working you know we work with agencies for if we have an upcoming brand campaign. We're working with an agency for that, um, but we're conceiving, creating, and producing our creator campaign in house. You know, and in general, I love bringing work in house where possible um, because not only because it's critical that you have people in the building with the creative you know sensitivity or instincts or ambition and talent to tell your own story. Um, but because it's a lot of fun, you know, that's really the fun part. That's why a lot of people get into marketing, that, that piece of it, to get to tell these amazing stories in a breakthrough way. Um, but that said, I love working with agencies too, especially if the ambition is for culturally literate, globally inclusive work. You know, you need great people on your side who can hear your passion for your brand, but who aren't themselves floating in the bathwater of your company. And I always say, you know, as a CMO, in some ways, the most valuable time for me as a CMO was during my first six months, because I still had this outsider perspective that most closely aligned to the public's perception of our brand. And, you know, once you're in the building for too long, you see all the nuance, you see every single thing we produce, and you start to develop this very rich feeling of the brand. And you can lose that perspective that no, most people haven't seen all this work, and they're not in your building. So they don't have that richness in their mind that you're constantly holding. And an agency, by definition, tends to hold that uh, position because they have some insider understanding just enough, but they still have this very outsider's perspective and therefore they can push you in all the ways that you need to be pushed. For sure. Well, speaking of uh, agencies, Pinterest is also a very big and growing advertiser platform. Um, And that brings us to your global advertiser summit that you're hosting for the first time um, on March 3rd, I believe is the date. Um, so what is the goal here of this event? I know Pinterest has been, you know, making a global push, um, recently and, and trying to grow the platform in, in different markets, but why does Pinterest need to have, um, you know, a, a B2B facing event? Well, because the, the demand has been so enormous in the last year from advertisers who advertisers who either already advertise on Pinterest, but are getting the feeling they could be doing more, better, deeper. And then we have this enormous cohort of new advertisers who say, hey, I think I've been sleeping on Pinterest a little too long. Can you tell me everything about it, especially because they're seeing how robust our data is and how much it's, it can help them, you know, our insights data. And so we decided, look, we have such demand. We cannot even keep up with it. Let's have a truly global event because the demand has been global where anyone can learn in a very deep way, in a very quick way, and in a very entertaining, inspiring way, everything they need to know about Pinterest. You know, so what does it mean to inspire on Pinterest, to advertise on Pinterest? How do I do it? What is the latest and greatest thought leadership insights and formats and products that I can use if I wanted to um, drive some disproportionate change for my business using Pinterest as a platform? So it's on March 3rd. If you go to PinterestPresents.com, you can register reserve your spot, but I highly recommend it. We are going to have this event run sort of simultaneously around the world. So it's going to be in the US, the UK, France, Germany, Canada, Australia. Next month, it's going to be in Latin America. But the content that you would see is really tailored to those audiences. So it's not just a a US event that happens to be happening 
globally. It's a truly global event. Um, so if you were in Germany, you will get some great universal takeaways, but you will also hear from German thought leaders, German businesses, and hear German insights that can help you tomorrow uh, in your business. So I certainly recommend people join us. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Um, so what's the goal here? Like to me, it almost sounds like an upfront, right? Like sort of showing this is what we have and and these are our new products and this is how you can spend with us. Is that how you're envisioning it? Well, yes and no. I think that's the minimum that it needs to do, you know? So there's an element of upfront because I do think people need to understand generally what's up with Pinterest, right? To put a fine point on it. But it's more than that. We, you know, we're trying to create the world's inspiration company and and actually even more broadly, a more inspired internet period. And so we want to show people how, you know, they can participate in that vision. And, you know, we have brands come to us all the time that say, hey, I want to be more inspirational as a brand. How do I do that? What do you understand about inspiration that I don't and how to inspire and how to create an urgency to act? And so a lot of it is about the future of where we think this world is going. So we have these amazing, interesting speakers. You know, we have Chrissy Teigen, who's speaking about the future of influence, one of the biggest influencers in the world and her perspective on that and how you can potentially apply that to your business. You know, we have a lot of other secret guests. I wish I could say their names, but I'm not allowed to until the event <laughs> itself. But it's a really phenomenal lineup of people who are trying to push this entire industry forward and they're sharing their perspectives on how to do that. So, so yes, of course, it's meant to help you understand Pinterest. But more than that, it's meant to help you understand the future of marketing because, you know, Pinterest is where people come to plan their futures, whether it's what they're going to do tomorrow, next week or next month. And so we really wanted to be as generous as we could with the content um, to make everyone leave that, you know, event feeling like they learned something really valuable that they can take action on right away. Yeah. And I'm sure part of the um, the goal is to sort of differentiate Pinterest from, from some of the other platforms out there. Um, you know, That's there's... Smart. There's tons of social media platforms popping up all the time. The new hotness is Clubhouse. And I know that, you know, Pinterest has done a lot of cool stuff in terms of launching new products like AR makeup try-ons and, and, you know, the lens camera and all these cool things that you can do on the platform. But like how much, um, how much pressure, I guess, do you feel as a CMO to keep up with all the things that are, you know, taking up people's attention on social media? Like, do you need a clubhouse feature now? Like, how do you sort of figure out what's important? Well, we've had, it's funny. I was talking to a colleague who said we had an amazing clubhouse uh, moment with actually black creators yesterday. Uh, that was a really fascinating discussion. So of course, look, we, we are um, very aware of what's going on in our space, but I think what's amazing for me is, is, you know, the biggest innovation I think from Pinterest is, is simply that we aren't social media in the traditional sense and the decision to not become that, a choice that, you know, the founders made at the inception of the company, and it's a choice we remake every year, you know, for the past 10 years, has turned out to be incredibly prescient. You know, it doesn't mean there isn't community on Pinterest. There is. It's getting stronger every day. But, you know, the goal of Pinterest is to enable people to take real action in their real lives, you know, not to show off an often false version of their lives to others. And so much of our innovation comes from helping people take that action to make more inspired, more lasting choices in their lives. And so we are investing heavily in things that enable that, like AR, not because it's cool and fun, and it's both of those things, um, but because it helps people make better decisions. So if you were trying to look for it, you want a new look, either for a job interview or you're going to a party or just because uh, you want to invest in yourself, 
we want to first open your mind to all the different looks that might appeal to you. And then when you've refined it a little bit, we want you to be able to try it on, you know, and test it out so that you feel like you're making a really good choice, you know? And so um, in a future world, we want to ensure that every single thing you see on Pinterest is actionable or testable or triable in some way. And AR plays a really big role in that, right? So if I'm if I'm reimagining my look, I want to be able to try before I buy. If I'm reimagining my home, I want to know what that couch would look like in my living room. Um, and so we want to make sure that we make that as seamless and easy as possible. Because again, thanks to all of the launch of our shopping features, you can now take action on Pinterest really easily. And we want to make sure that people feel that they had all the input they needed to take really good action that uh, that they're really happy with in their lives. Yeah, and and the notion of AR and how it fits into these platforms is even more interesting now during the pandemic, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm not putting a random lipstick on <laughs> at a at a makeup store anymore. No, no, you're you're not, and they're not letting you either, right? And I actually think it's going to probably be a fairly lasting change of saying, just in general, it's not a great idea to have a a, a tester of lipstick in Sephora potentially, right? And that's why actually Sephora is such a pioneer in this space as well. So yes, we want to make sure that any merchant or or retail brand uh, on our platform can, can inspire people to try their things, you know, in a way that is as close to real as we can make it. Um, so, you know, I, as you know, I was a CMO of a retail company before retail apparel company. And the amount of, you know, returns that can happen in that industry is astronomical, especially when things are bought online. And so anything that we can do to help people buy the right thing in the right size and the right color at the right time, you know, at the right price um, is going to help that industry continue to to grow in, in a really um, in a really uh, robust way. So so we're we're absolutely investing in that. Yeah. How does that change the way that, you know, you work with brands like um, Sephora or the companies that sell through Sephora? Like now that social commerce is becoming such a bigger part of all social media companies roadmap, does that sort of change the way that you interact with brands? Is it more of like a shopper marketing type relationship almost? And um, how does that balance with like, you know, the the more branding type work and, and DR type ads you can buy on Pinterest? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're quite a full funnel platform. So certainly people do a lot of brand building and and awareness building. And that makes perfect sense, right? Because as we discussed, people come, you know, most of the search on Pinterest is unbranded. In other words, people don't come when they know exactly which crate and barrel couch they want. They know they want a certain style of couch potentially, but they're open to a lot of potential brands. And if crate and barrel wins out, great, they're going to go with crate and barrel. But because of that, you really have a chance if you're a, a, um, any, any kind of brand to get in front of a, of a person when they have high intent, but they're undecided, right? It's almost like they are definitely going to buy something. They've come here to learn about a new brand. They want to take action on it, but they haven't yet sold. They're not yet sold on which one. That's a huge opportunity for incremental um, acquisition. So we have this big awareness uh, business, of course, and we should. That's, we're incredibly well set up for that. But again, to your point, we also have people who now are taking action immediately on Pinterest um, and buying, you know, obviously through our shopper tools. And so we have truly the full funnel and robust solutions for all. I think when it comes to kind of the future where this is going, though, is, you know, that's where creators are going to become increasingly so important 
for Pinterest and for the brands that partner with them. So if, again, uh, I had to just rebuild my house this year, which was not what I wanted to do. We discovered foundation was crumbling, asbestos in the wall, a disaster. But I turned to Pinterest quite literally, and, and not just because I work here, to find creators who had great ideas for rebuilding a house and reimagining your style. And they were the ones, some of them times they were partnering with brands, sometimes they weren't. Um, but either way, they were the ones who were pointing me to everything I then bought for the house. I mean, literally this house was entirely built by Pinterest um, because I needed a fresh take and fresh ideas. So I think the future for us certainly is going to be about, you know, incredible merchants who have solutions to all the problems and the, the queries and the thoughts that pinners have on our platform. And the creators are going to be a little bit of that, you know, Sherpa in the middle to help guide people to the best solutions for them based on their own taste graph. So I think absolutely social commerce is coming. Um, it has to, um, and, and the, the merchants that are going to be the most successful on Pinterest are the ones who really understand how to inspire and create that urgency to act for their own audiences on our platform. So you are truly living the brand. <laughs> I think, yes. And it's funny because if I'm being really honest, I wasn't a Pinterest user. Um, I wasn't a particularly deep Pinterest user before I joined the company. I was an advertiser. Uh, I, I spent my <laughs> interest as, as the CMO of Athleta and, and, and that was great. But, um, but it's since being here and using the platform and seeing what it has done for me and how much it has opened my mind to what I actually like, not what other people like and what I think I'm supposed to like, but what I actually like. Um, it's been very transformative and very empowering. And so, yes, I don't make any purchase now that probably didn't start somehow on Pinterest. And many of them are now ending on Pinterest too. Uh, and, I, and that's what we're seeing in our user base as well. Awesome. Um, so I I do want to ask about, um, you know, as you sort of talk about social commerce and sort of like influencer and creator driven commerce, how do you think about, um, you know, content moderation and things like that on Pinterest? I know it's it's not necessarily been as big as of an issue for Pinterest as other platforms, but it definitely could be given, given the open nature of the platform. So how do you, how do you navigate that? For sure. That's a great question. Um, you know, obviously as far as content moderation is concerned, we use our mission as our North star as we've been drafting our content policies. So obviously, you know, we prohibit content that's harmful, hateful, violent, false, misleading, you know, explicit, antagonistic, you know, this, this, none of that, content, uh, all of that content is antithetical to our mission of inspiration, you know, and so we are constantly reviewing those policies and the enforcement methods, methods that we have um, to, to support that mission. But also, I want to point out, look, we've been pioneers in these policies. I think we, we sometimes can fly a little under the radar there, but, you know, we've banned health misinformation, vaccine misinformation, political misinformation. Um, we don't accept political advertising and so much more um, years ago. It's nice that we're getting some credit for them in 2020, but um, when it was clear to the world how important it was to have these, but credit fully goes to the team who created these policies years ago at Pinterest. You know, this has been something where we were very much ahead of the curve and, and, and always had been. Um, I think that's a little bit why um, advertisers have become so increasingly interested in growing on Pinterest. It's just, it's not just that we have kind of a brand safe platform by the nature of what the platform is there to do. And because of the rigor and um, innovative lens of our policies, um, but also because in a world where we've seen 
very toxic content in particular explode in the last year. Um, we have advertisers who are realizing how much that's, that's draining their ad dollars. Uh, and so they want, uh, they need an alternative to ensure that they're driving real growth and that they can do it in a way that they feel is both acceptable for the business and acceptable for their own sense of um, what's kind of right and important right now in this time. Mm-hmm. It's a good one to uh, be ahead of the curve on. <laughs> yeah, I'm really um, proud of the team who led that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we are coming up on our time, but um, I, I like I want to end this by asking you sort of a crystal ball question. We've we've talked about the future of social media, the future of retail. What about the future of healthcare? You were at a health tech startup as the CMO, and I'm completely fascinated by what's happening in that industry right now. Where do you see marketing and branding playing a role as the industry becomes more connected and, and online? Wow. Thank you for asking me that question. It's, it's a pleasure actually to think back to that world. So I think, you know, let's use brand and marketing almost as a proxy for great design. You know, and, and what I think what we're learning in healthcare now, the, the healthcare model was actually fairly, um, it hadn't evolved much, though technology and treatments had evolved. The actual patient experience has essentially been what it was 100 years ago. You would go to a doctor or a doctor might come to your house uh, if you were lucky. But generally, the patient experience has always been fairly abysmal. Um, what's been amazing now is all the barriers to that experience, all the assumptions that kind of contributed to, to the difficulty of that experience have been stripped bare. So this idea that we can have extremely connected health, that you can have far more video uh, meetings with your doctor, that you can get far more on demand, that you can think of health as something that has to be an ongoing um, ongoing thing that you manage as, as a patient and that you have a team that is helping you and that that team critically speaking to each other, that they're not just a series of disconnected specialists. I think that presents massive opportunity. So, you know, the brand and the design thinking and the user experience, I kind of lump them together in my mind, but that's where I'm seeing the biggest evolution in health tech space is this idea that I actually can get access to healthcare on my terms uh, in a way that is far more emotionally empathic and human and easy and low stress. And if those things are true, then I think we can expect to see patients doing it more often and not waiting for a condition to become chronic or uncurable, but actually getting ahead of the curve and seeing it as something that I do as part of a routine element of my day. So I see, um, I think health tech is a wonderful place to be right now. It's a great industry to be in. And there's so much more humanity in healthcare than ever before. And I think actually some of it, funnily enough, was accelerated by COVID because we all realized that this is possible. I mean, I've, my, I've, my kids have had a few issues this year and I've been able to treat them because of video conferencing with their doctors. And it was a much better experience for all around. Um, I think for me, that's, that's a really wonderful development in the world of healthcare. Awesome. Super exciting. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's been great to have you and I'm excited to tune into uh, Pinterest Presents. Oh, please come. We'd love to have you. And thank you so much. For, and congratulations on your brand new podcast. I'm so excited to listen in. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Andrea. That's all the time we have this week. Thanks for tuning in to Campaign Chemistry and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.